Gracious God, may only your words be spoken and your words be heard. Amen. Several years ago, I ran across a remarkable poem by the writer and theologian Madeline Langle. And the title of this poem is First Coming, referring to that first Christmas. And first coming is this. God did not wait till the world was ready, till men and nations were at peace. God came when the heavens were unsteady and prisoners cried out for release. God did not wait for the perfect time. God came when the need was deep and great. He dined with sinners in all their grime, turned water into wine. God did not wait till hearts were pure. In joy he came to a tarnished world of sin and doubt, to a world like ours of anguished shame. He came, and his light would not go out. Some powerful words in that poem that go right to the heart of this season of Advent and the messages that we hear as we prepare our hearts and minds for Christmas. We hear the story this morning that in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, an angel, Gabriel, was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name being Mary, and Gabriel saying, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. The first thing that God's messenger, the angel, says to Mary is, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The angel Gabriel has been sent to Mary after she's been engaged or promised or betrothed to Joseph, but before their marriage, and the angel's telling her that she is pregnant. And so Mary is perplexed. She's confused. She's probably thoroughly shaken. And it's a remarkable scene, but it's even more remarkable if we consider for a minute that in choosing Mary, God was choosing humanity. And in that sense, Mary is representative of all humanity. In that sense, then, Mary's story can be considered humanity's story, our story, your story. So how does the story begin? Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Or as Eugene Peterson, who paraphrases the Bible, paraphrases it, good morning. You are beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. Advent is a season of preparation and of anticipation for the holiday, the holy day, called Christmas. And Christmas is the holiday, the holy day, that commemorates and celebrates the incarnation of God. Advent, in other words, is a season leading up to the annual commemoration and celebration of the enfleshment of God, the taking on of human flesh of God, God entering into humanity. 
God becoming one of us, that we might become more at one with God. Now, there's a multi-billion dollar industry out there trying to convince us during what they call the shopping season that the most important thing about Christmas are the presents, the gifts that we exchange on Christmas morning. But the church, contrary to that message, wants to convince us during what we call the Advent season that the most important thing about Christmas is God's presence with us. God's presence with humanity. God's entering into humanity. The gift that God gives us of God's love, a gift not given in exchange. The gift of God's love is given without condition. God did not wait till the world was ready, till men and nations were at peace. God came when the heavens were unsteady and prisoners cried out for release. So, ready or not, can you hear the words that were first addressed to Mary as words that are now addressed to you? Favored one. The Lord is with you. Good morning. You are beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God is with you. If that news, if that message is difficult for you to receive, if you find yourself blocking that message, if it seems too good to be true, if the news that you are favored, beloved, if the news that you are beautiful inside and out is hard for you to take in, well, please know even more so that the Christmas story is your story. Because Mary had trouble believing it as well. You know, Christmas cards and paintings and even children's Christmas pageants and churches have tend to airbrush and domesticate and tame and romanticize the whole Christmas story, the scenes of that first Christmas. But if we read the biblical narratives, if we read the Bible stories leading up to the first Christmas, we see that most of the scenes leading up to that first Christmas were gritty and messy and busy. They're real. Mary, in this story, is much perplexed, confused, fearful. And that's why the second thing, after being told that she is favored and beloved and beautiful, the second thing that she is told, the second thing that humanity is told is this. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know that commandment in one form or another, do not be afraid, do not worry, do not fear, do not be anxious? Do you know that commandment appears well over a hundred times in the Bible? By comparison, the commandment, do not steal, appears about 20 times. The commandment to honor the Sabbath, about 10 times. And the commandment to honor your parents, about 7 times. But do not fear, do not worry, do not be anxious, Do not be afraid. Well over a hundred times. You think God is trying to get something through to us there about God? God knows that we're afraid. Afraid of so many things. 
God knows that we're afraid of loss. God knows we're afraid of gain. God knows we're afraid of failure. God knows we're afraid of success. God sees our fears. God sees our shame. But God did not wait for the perfect time. God came when the need was deep and great. He dined with sinners and all their grime turned water into wine. Jesus came in part to take away two of our greatest fears, fear of death and fear that we are ruined by our mistakes. Jesus came to take away both self-satisfaction and despair. And that's why, that's why Mary is not only a specific, actual, historical person, but that's why Mary is representative of all humanity. Representative of all of us. Carrying those kinds of fears, accusations. Several years ago, I was in a conversation with a woman who was in her late 30s, and the conversation got around to running. For most of her life, she told me she had struggled with physical fitness, and she'd never been a runner, even thought of herself as someone who would ever go out for a run. But she told me that a year or so prior to this conversation, she had gotten into running, and that a couple of months prior to this conversation, much to her surprise, she was talked into entering a sprint distance triathlon. That's a half-mile swim followed by a 12-mile bike ride followed by a three-mile run. And even though she was way far from her fitness goals and she didn't have much time, she went ahead and registered and she trained for it as best she could. And the day of the race, came and she said that she was surprised by how difficult the swim in the lake was. The lake swim was choppy and she was slow, fell way behind. She said she did okay with the bike ride part of it. And then she was in the running part of it. And there wasn't very many people left that could pass her, but the few people that were behind her were passing her. And she thought she was all by herself when she heard footsteps behind her and looked around and she said somebody who must have been, a man who must have been at least in his mid-80s, maybe in his early 90s, running in Converse high tops, was catching up to her. And they ran alongside a while and they got into a conversation and they started chatting and it was a pleasant little conversation. And then he started to speed up a little bit to, you know, to pull on ahead, he'd slow down a little bit to chat with her, and as he pulled on ahead, she said, oh, this is it, this is my, this is my fear, this is what I thought was gonna happen, I'm gonna finish dead last. And he slowed down a little bit, and he looked over his shoulder, and he goes, yeah, you know what they call the person who finishes in the very last position in a triathlon? And she says, no, what? He says, a triathlete? God did not wait till hearts were pure. In joy, God came to a tarnished world of sin and doubt, to a world like ours of anguished shame he came, and his light would not go out. Do you know what they call you? Do you know what they call you when your heart is impure? When your thoughts and words and deeds are full of sin and doubt? Do you know what they call you when you're full of anguished shame over things done and left undone? favored one. 
beloved, beautiful, inside and out. If you have trouble believing that, if you have trouble that God delights in you, enjoys your company, and favors you, please know that Mary had trouble believing it too. But in her state of confusion, she says, let it be. May your word, may your message, may your love be fulfilled. Let that message penetrate my heart. Let that message penetrate my body. May I give birth to your love, impregnated with your love. And that story is your story. That story is our story. So can you say yes to God this Advent season as you prepare for Christmas? Can you say, here I am, let it be with me, God, according to your word? Say yes to God. Say, here I am, let it be. And fear not, favored ones, beautiful ones. Fear not.